Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Everybody good? Come on, let's do it big. We're going to do it. Let's do it big. I'm going to say something, and I, I did not say this in the first service, but I'm going to say it in second service. Um, I did say a little bit of this. Um, Bill Howard is one of my closest friends. We're, we're, we're partners in crime. I mean, partners in ministry. Um, he was a pastor. He was a recovering senior pastor. And so he understands a lot of the stuff that I go through as a senior pastor. Um, but one of the things I'm going to tell you, if you're even kind of on the edge about going on a trip to Haiti, I have trusted him with my life. I think I've been over there seven or eight, maybe nine times in the last six years, maybe. And this is how, this is how much I believe in Bill Howard and Jan and the ministry down there. Um, a couple years ago, and I, I don't know how hard it is for you, it's hard for me to let go of my kids. Um, one of my children asked if they can go over an intern. And I was like, I was reluctant. Gina's the person of faith. I'm the person of, I don't know what I am. And she's like, yeah, yeah, that's a great opportunity. And she goes over there, and don't you know it's the year of social unrest? And she gets locked in the compound. And, and when he was talking about this, I don't want to glaze over this, we had to medevac, we had to helicopter our people out of the compound just to get them to the airport. And my daughter was left back, and she was still there because she was an intern with you guys. I trust him with my kids. So if you're even wavering for a second about going on a trip with him or going on a trip with us or Tracy, I'm hoping to be able to go on one of them this year, don't think twice about it. It will absolutely, and I say this all the time about missions, it will do more for you than it will do for the people in Haiti. Now, that being said, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna throw something out. And it's interesting when he said, I kind of chuckled. I don't know if y'all caught it. He said that they didn't have Haiti, uh, uh, COVID in Haiti. And Will leans up and goes, kind of like the South. <clears throat> Hold on a second. So one of the things, I'm not gonna get political. I'm going to get spiritual. One of the things that I've learned is that you can't outgive God. And during the last year and a half, we as a church, and I have staff members and elders sitting in this service right now, and they can attest to this. God has blown up everything at this church in a good way. Like our, our numbers have stayed good. Our finances have gone through the roof. And I can, somebody asked me last week, why do you think that is? And I said, it's because we never stop giving to missions. We've never stopped giving outreach. We've never stopped doing. As a matter of fact, during COVID, we stepped it up instead of stepping it back. It was, a, it was an obstacle, but it wasn't the final. It wasn't a wall. And so I'm telling you, this is the year. I, I'm so excited. Actually, I share with her. I may get to a message today. I actually shared with our big picture team, our, our executive staff the other day, like next year is the year of dreaming big again because it's been a while since we've been able to dream big. So I'm excited about what God's gonna do. So Tracy said that we're in the series on faith and he did a phenomenal job last week. If you were here last week and heard that message, man, he killed it, absolutely killed it. And he talked about if we can't, if we can't see it, we'll never be it. Like, and he talked about our past and our present and our future. And one of the things that I know from just being involved a little bit in the business world is that there's actually a term for what he was talking about. And graphic artists use it all the time, and it's called WYSIWYG. And let me explain what it is. About 20 years ago, what they tried to do is they would get things and put them on the computer screen, and they would look great. The graphics would look amazing. You know, if they were making T-shirts, if they were doing cinema projects, it would look, it was just the, the graphics work. But they would try to transport that into something else, like a movie or something on a computer or maybe a silk screen or whatever. And it never had, it was grainy and it didn't look like. And so somebody came out and said, this is what WYSIWYG stands for. 
We want to get to the point where what we see is what we get. So what we see in our lives, uh, that's what he's talking about, what, what we see. And here's the problem. And this is a big spiritual truth. I was in all three of the services last week, and I wrote this down. So many people live with their eyes and, and, and their dreams and their desires. They're living in the misery of the past or, or maybe the pain of the past or, or maybe the bitterness of the past or maybe the, the anger of the past. And they translate that, and somehow or another, they're living with the same thing in their present. They're living with the pain of their present. They're living with the problems of their present. And there's only one thing that'll happen, because what you see is what you get, is you're going to live in the future of misery and problems and bitterness and anger, because that's, that's just what you've been doing. Now, what would happen if we transitioned that? And we lived in the grace and the promise and the forgiveness in our past. We understand how big our God is. And maybe we translated that into our present and said, you know something? I'm going to live in the grace and the truth and the promises of my present. You know what's going to happen in that situation? We're going to take that. We're, we're going to take that into our future and we're going to live in the promises and the hope and all the stuff God has for us. And with the help of the Holy Spirit. And we don't talk a lot. Today is a big day in the church world. Today is what's called Pentecostal Sunday. And Pentecostal Sunday, what is churches all over the world are recognizing what happened 2,000 years ago. And unfortunately, we've taken a little bit out of context because a lot of churches, and I grew up in a church like this, we take the look at what happens it, 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 in the upper room, Pentecost, as just the speaking in the other tongues, the unknown languages. But Acts 1.8 says they received the power. I think the power was more important than, the, uh, than, than what was happening in, in the tongues. And that's what God does with us when we understand and we live in the grace and the power and the understanding of who God is, that he takes the Holy Spirit and he transforms us. And so, so what, what's, what's that mean for us? What, what, what's that look like for us? What's that look like? And here's the thought I was having, honestly, all the last couple of weeks. He talked about, he did a phenomenal job. He talked about what we see. What if we translated to that to what we say? What we say is what we get. The things that come out of our mouth, the, the way we talk to each other. The, the, the way we talk to ourselves, we're going to talk about that in a minute. And it's interesting, the Bible is filled and packed with things and how it tells us that, that we're supposed to speak to one another. And it's interesting because one of my favorite passages is Mark, or Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. It says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people would give account for every careless word. Think about that for a second. Think about the coarse joking in the office or the things that you've said, or maybe the, the way you fought your battles, one, you know, your husband and wife, and the things that you've said in those moments. And it's interesting because over the last couple of years, it's well documented that we've talked about our tongue and how to tame our tongue. Uh, a couple of years ago, I did a series called God's uh, Top Ten List, and we talked about the Ten Commandments. And I don't know if you know that, you know, the thou shalt love the Lord, you know, love, love God and all that kind of stuff. And then one says, don't cover your neighbor, don't, don't cover your neighbor's goat or something, or his wife, it's wife. Don't cover your neighbor's wife. <clears throat> and there's one in there that says, thou shalt not murder. And I remember saying this. I stood on this stage. I said, you know something? In the world we live in a journey I, I've never met personally. I mean, maybe somebody here, hopefully not. But, you know, I've never met a murderer. And then I thought to myself, you know something? I, I come in contact with murderers every day. Because maybe we don't physically kill people, but we spiritually kill people with our mouths, the words that we say. And I was thinking about that. The book of James, we did a series, the book of James. Actually, I had an opportunity uh, a couple weeks ago, three, four, five weeks ago, to speak to our student ministry from the uh, book of James. And one of the things I was talking about, and if you just give me a second, it's not going to be on the side screen. They didn't know I was going to say this, but James chapter 3 is a powerful passage which talks about our tongue and how we should tame our tongue. Listen to what it says. It says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in the mouth. 
and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong, in the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is the flame of fire. It's, a, it's the whole world of witness corrupting your entire body. It, it can set the whole life on fire. For it is, it is set on fire by hell itself. Listen to it. People can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. Man, there's a lot to be said about that. So when he says, listen, we're going to be held accountable for everything we said, every careless word, and this is verse 37, by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. If you, if you go to another passive scripture in Proverbs, Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, we know that. We, we, we watched it happen. We watched how we talk to our kids. Or I actually had a conversation last night. We were, um, we were over um, my, my brother's house, and we were having a conversation. Anybody have any pets? Anybody have any dogs? So we were talking about how dogs, I think dogs can recognize the words that we're saying. I really think, like, when I say I have a dog named Luna, and she is a Frisbee-aholic. It's like crack cocaine for a dog. Anywhere, like, all I've got to do is say Frisbee, and she... We have, to, we have two of them now. And then we, we have to put the Frisbees in time out. That's how bad she's got. So we, because like she'll like, like she, I'm not gonna tell you about my dog the whole day, but she, she'll bring it and she'll slap us on the leg with, with the Frisbee. She'll like, come on, dad, let's go. And if she gets really mad, she'll throw it up in the air and it'll land on our laps. I'm thinking, okay, so like throw these stupid things. Well, we were talking about how you can talk to an animal and you can say something in a tone of voice and you can say the same thing. And some people say, well, it's the tone of voice. No, I think they understand the words that you're saying. And when you say Frisbee, when I say Frisbee, I can say it anywhere I want, any way I want. And that dog's going to go find that Frisbee. In our lives, it's the same exact way. And here's what I want everybody to get today. Your words matter, my words matter in a way bigger way than we understand. And we should guard every word, everything that we say. They matter a lot. And by your words, the Bible says you're justified and you're condemned. It's interesting. By your words, we get to bring life or death into a situation. Uh, there was an experiment done by a, a scientist back in the 90s. His name was Amato. And Amato was, a, was, was a, his, his kind of area of expertise was water. And he was talking about how, what frozen water becomes. Now, what, what does frozen water become? Okay, so you guys are way smarter than first service. First service is like, whoa, trick question. It's ice. <laughs> so what happens, though, I, so perfect pure water, it turns into, if you were to look at a, at a microscope, it looks like a snowflake. It's beautiful. It's got all the edges. You can see everything. So if you're looking at it, it's just, but if there's toxins in it or if it's toxic or if there's chemicals in it, it just looks like mush. And so Amato did this, this, this study and he took Petri dishes and he froze the water into Petri dishes and he put labels on them. Think about this for a second. He put labels on them and he put a label on one that said loved, one that said you're beautiful and all this stuff. And the other ones he put not in anger and bitterness, resentment. And he said that the, the, the amazing fact, and you can look at this, you can text me out or call me or whatever, and I'll give you the guy's name. His name, last name is Amato. But he said what happened was the ones that had the labels that were positive perfectly formed into these snowflakes. And the ones that had all the negative labels on them, think about this for a second. All the ones that had negative, they were mush. You couldn't even tell what they were. So he said, you know something, there's gotta be more to this. So he took common rice, like jasmine rice, and he put jasmine rice in a bunch of Petri dishes. And he had students speak to these Petri dishes. You're loved, I care about you, you're important, you're beautiful. And then the other side was like, you're ugly, you're mean, you're right, all this stuff. Well, what happened was amazing. The ones that had all the negative verbiage, all the, they were told these negative things, it turned into gray mush. It was like hash, it was nasty, it had fungus growing on it. But the other one was like the day, all the good positive stuff was like the day that they made that rice. It was beautifully like you could have ate it. And I'm thinking, it's, got to, it's more than just rice, isn't it? 
It's our lives. When people are speaking life into us, what happens? It's beautiful. It's a snowflake. Well, when, we, when we're talked negative about or, or think, people are saying, and, and listen, we live in a world that it's easy to do that without ever having social contact because we can get online and if we have enough keyboard courage, we can literally tear somebody down, can't we? Now, here's the deal. Think about this. Not just the words, how powerful the words are. It demonstrates the power of the words, but I really want to talk about in the context about how we talk to ourselves. The things that we say to ourselves, not, not what you say to other people. We've, we've talked about that. We've documented that. We've had hundreds of sermons in this church about how we talk to each other. But how do you talk to yourself? Because the very first thing is, what words? And I want you to get this. You want to write this. What words are you speaking to yourself about yourself? We call it self-talk. Like, I've never, like, i played sports most of my life. I know Will's played sports. Tracy looks like he may have played sports at some point. But, like, if you go up there going, I'm going to strike out, you know what you're going to do? You're going to strike out. Or if you're going to, if, if you know, I can't hit this shot. I mean, people like golfers visualize the shot and they talk. If you ever seen, they, they talk themselves into what shot they're going to make. They literally know in their mind what that golf, they want to have a right to left or a left to right or play in the wind, whatever it is. Now, what if, what if we did that in our own personal lives? Because I'm telling you, there's a conversation going on between our ears. Every one of us has a conversation going on right up here. As a matter of fact, studies show this, that in the last minute, you have had 4,000 words go through your mind. 4,000 words. 4,000 That's 25 times more or faster than I can speak, and I speak fast in a minute. Now, what are those words saying to you? What, what is that dialogue in your brain? What is the conversations going on in you? Is it negative stuff or is it positive stuff? Is it all the, the, the bad stuff going on? Because words could be either empowering or self-defeating. And we need to learn. Hear me on this. We need to learn to speak, this isn't self-help stuff. Y'all, this is in the Bible. This is Bible stuff. As a matter of fact, in 1 Samuel 30, we see King David going through one of the most hard times. Let me, let me ask you an honest question. Has it been hard for anybody the last year? Last two years? I mean, I told you this. I went on my sabbatical. You mentioned it. I went on my sabbatical in January. I didn't see you guys for almost 20 weeks. Think about that. Now, somebody with a pastor's heart that has to be around people, that's, that's, that's death right there. I couldn't hug your neck. I couldn't tell you how good you are. I couldn't have a conversation with you. And, and it was literally, I was had these conversations in my mind about all the negative. Things have been tough. Over, let's just be honest. Things have been tough. Not just in Haiti, but in Evans, Georgia, they've been tough. In South Augusta, they've been tough. In Aiken, they've been tough, right? Somebody say amen to that. Amen. But how you handle it and how you talk to yourself is extremely important about that toughness. Now, listen to what David says. Now, I'm gonna read it from the King James Version. If you don't know, you ever preach from the King James, Bill? I really thought you were spiritual, but I thought only spiritual people spoke King James. King James is very difficult because it's got these these and thous. And we're gonna, so I, I'm not gonna try to skip any words, but if I get tongue twisted, just let me go, okay? Um, but David is in the midst of one of the most traumatic times in his life. And it's not Goliath. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. But one of the most traumatic times. Listen to what it says. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag, the smitten Ziglag, and burned it with fire. And they had taken women captive that were, were therein. They slew, I love that word, slew. We need to use that one more often in our vocabulary. I slew that. Not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were there 
with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives. Karen, <laughs> the Jezreelite, and Abigail, got that one, nailed it, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man and, and for his sons and his daughters. Now think about this. Think about your circumstances because David does something that I don't, I don't think we know how to do, but we need to learn how to do. So, so many times when you're going through a tough situation, maybe a job loss, right? I'm sure there's a couple people during COVID, COVID that have lost their jobs. Maybe it's a relational breakdown. Maybe it's a sick, maybe somehow or another, God, God forbid, somebody over the last year and a half heard the C word, like you have a term, you have cancer. Or maybe you know somebody has cancer. Or maybe you lost a loved one and you weren't able to celebrate or, or mourn the way you were supposed to mourn. And how did you start talking to you? What were the things that you were saying to yourself? Like, you're worthless, this will never work out. Like, I, I can't, I, I have actual several friends that, that have told me this. They feel like if it wasn't for bad luck, they wouldn't have any luck at all. Man, what, what a mentality. That's not good self-talk. Now listen to what David did, because I think this is a lesson that we all need to learn. And, and it says this, okay, so and David, greatly distressed for the people, spoke of stoning him, because the soul of the people were, was grieved, every man and his sons for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Did y'all catch that? David had a conversation with himself. So all these years, y'all think I'm crazy because I talk to myself. It's right there in the Bible. David talked to himself, and David said to Abathar, the priest, Amalek's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. There's, I love, hey, would you bring me hither that, that, that fried chicken tomorrow for lunch? Like, who, anybody use hither in their language? Like, what a cool, like, I, say we, I say we start a revolution that we're going to bring hither back in. Who's with me on that? Let's figure it out. All right. Bro, oh, no, it's not hither, it's thither. Okay, but here it says, watch this. And David said to the priest, and Alex said, bring me, oh, no, it does say hither, the ephod. And then Abathar brought thither. Gosh, I am, this is awesome. Now, let me stop here, because I know there's lots of people that are really smart in the Bible in this room, okay? You've read the Bible, you get under, you know, you've done the seamless, and you're an expert, Okay. When we read ephod, there's two different types. An ephod was something a Levitical priest would wear when he was going to do a priestly duty, when he was burying or he was blessing or when he was going in and out of the tabernacle of Moses, he would wear his ephod. There was 12 stones on it, 12 different colors. He also wore a thing called a phylactery, which was a, basically a little box that he would open up. And in there would be the law of the covenant. It would be the Ten Commandments and, and the law of Moses. So the, the first five, I think it was five books of the Bible. But each one of the stones that he had on his ephod represented each one of the, 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 the tribes of Israel. That's not what David's about to put on. David is putting on what we see in the New Testament where he says the breastplate of righteousness. That's when we go to war. He's putting, on a, he's putting a garment of war on. And on all these, all these their stones, they're actually the names of God. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah, whatever the Allah. So everyone, so he was literally saying, I am about to go to battle. I'm about to kick some butt right now. I'm not gonna take this. He said, I've encouraged myself. I've had good self-talk. I'm ready to go. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, he's getting ready. Watch what happens. He says, and David said to Abathar, the priest, Amalek's son, I pray thee, bring me hither an ephod. The Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him. God answered. Could you imagine? God answered him that fast. 
Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. It's almost like what happens in the book of Joel, that you will restore, God, everything that the, the enemy has taken from me. So it's one of those deals where we look at this. You know what he did? He encouraged himself. He spoke words to get his faith ignited. When's the last time you spoke a word to get your faith ignited? Listen to what it says in Psalms chapter 42, verse five. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Anybody ever said that? Gosh, today sucks. Like, you, did you ever wake up in the morning and go, man, another one of these days? That's what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying. Why so downcast? He goes, why so disturbed within me? And then he goes, put, literally, he talks to himself, put your hope in God, David. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Psalms 103 says, bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not his benefits. When's the last time you did that? How are you talking to yourself about yourself? See, there's, and I'm telling you, it's more than just, I'm just going to pray about this. No! It's talking out loud. Now watch this. There's a study done. They took 20 people, and, and this is what the study, and, and the study shows that talking to yourself in a positive way may actually indicate a, a greater health. Talk to myself all the time. I like talking to a smart man. I like listening to a smart man talk. I talk to myself. They took 20 people, and what they did is they gave them something. They took them to the front of a grocery store and said, here's 20 items. So some got like toilet paper, some got toothpaste, some got milk, some got bread. But they weren't allowed to talk to anybody else, and they weren't allowed to talk to themselves about it. They couldn't write it down. So they walked throughout the store, and just like you would be and I would be because we have those squirrel moments, they got distracted. Only 10 people came back from that exercise with the items that they were told to get. Now 20 more people were brought in, and they were told to get these items. So bread and, and toilet paper and toothpaste and all that stuff. But the whole time, they had to talk to themselves out loud about what they're saying. So they're going, toothpaste, toothpaste, toothpaste. It was like Rain Man. Toothpaste, 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 right? 20 out of 20 brought that item back. That's exactly what David was doing, y'all. He was just doing it out loud. He was going, you know something? I'm going to encourage myself. You know what? Here's the what, truth. The world out there is not going to encourage you. If you don't encourage yourself, sometimes you'll never get encouraged. That's right. Think about that. I don't think the world's out to see us become successful. Actually, it's just the opposite. So let me ask you a question. Okay, I like asking a question. What do you need to hear? What is it that you need to hear in your life? Because here's, here's the, we need to stop speaking what we feel and what we fear. Because we speak what we feel and fear all the time. You know what we need to stand on? The facts. Here's the facts. Not our feelings. Hey, if David went with feelings and fear, you know what happened? He would have cowered away from all of them. But he went with the facts. He said, you know what, I'm gonna encourage myself because watch, I remember what you did years ago when I was 17 years old and I'm gonna stand on that. Lions and tigers and bears. And not only that, but a big old Goliath that we're gonna talk about in a minute. So he takes the facts. So what are the facts? Because I imagine that every one of us in this room can at times, at times needs to be empowered. I want you to do me a favor real quick. I want you to shut your eyes. I'm not gonna do anything weird. Just shut your eyes. I want you to think about that thing. Maybe, maybe it's something you, you've been talking negative about yourself. Maybe you battle addiction and, you, and maybe you stumbled or maybe it's anger or maybe you struggled being a good parent or maybe you lost a job and you're really, you're really questioning yourself. 
When's the last time you, because I think there's something powerful about speaking God's word over situations like that. And you may never do it, but I'm, you're not gonna walk out of this place without it having been done. Because I believe you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. I don't care how big that mountain looks. I don't care how big that situation is. And I believe the greater is he that is in you than is in the world. And the world may come against you and it may try to crash you and you may feel like you're against a, a rock, just the, the, the waves pounding you, but I'm gonna tell you something greater is in you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Think about that for a second. We walk around like we've been baptized in pickle juice. We walk around with frowns on our face. Put a smile. The Bible says, a Marion's heart doeth good like a medicine. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. So open your eyes up. There's nothing magical. I didn't flash pixie dust over you. But I believe those passages are right there. Every day, if you read those, talk to them, pray them out loud, do whatever you need to do. I believe you'll have a different outlook because you're saying something to you that you've never said before. And I believe all of a sudden what will happen is by your words you're justified, by your words you're set free, by your words you have victory, by your words you're strengthened, and by your words you'll experience life in those situations. Amen? So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. What words are you speaking into your life situations? I'm talking about the situations you just thought, that you just had in your mind. Literally, what are you talking about? I love one of my favorite stories is a story about Mount Everest. It's Sir Edmund Hillary. And him and a guy by the name of Tenzig were trying to capture and conquer uh, Everest. And so they get there the first time. The first time they get to Everest, they fail miserably. They don't even make it halfway up. Storms come, the ice come, they can't even make it. The second time they get ready, they get almost to the top and they have a fatality up there. And so they're rushing everybody back and the guy ended up dying. Later that year, Sir Edmund Hillary is at a press conference and he's talking about his expedition. And everybody thought that he was gonna, he's going to resign, that he's never going to try it again. It was just an absolute disaster. And in the middle of his speech, about 30 minutes into his speech about Everest and his experience, they had this big thing on the wall, this big picture of Everest on, on the back wall. And he turns around, unprovoked, unprompted, not even addressing the people he was talking to. And he looks and he points at it. And he said, Everest, I will conquer you one day. Because here's the deal. You can't get any bigger and I can Think about that for a second. That mountain, whatever that mountain looks like in our lives, it can't get much bigger. It's there. It's what it is. But you can get bigger, and you can get better, and you cannot get bitter. God wants to do something in us. Mark 11 says, For verily I say to you, that whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and thou cast it into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which has saith shall come to pass, he shall say and have whatever he saith. Now, a lot of people, a lot of preachers have taken that out of context. This is not blab and grab theology. This is not you're driving around in a Pinto and you're claiming it being a BMW. This is talking about the mountain, that when God is on our side, we can speak to any mountain and we can tell that mountain to be removed. We, we need to stop telling the mountain how, how, oh, big mountain. No, we need to say, look, big God, big God, little mountain. Big God, big, chuchamongous, gorilla-sized God, little small mountain. But it's the opposite. So what are you speaking into your situations? See, here's the deal. I believe there's lots of us in this room that have mountains that have the label of fear on them. I believe lots of our mountains are anxiety. I think lots of our mountains are failure. I think lots of our mountains take on different approaches. Jesus tells us, listen to me on this. He doesn't tell us to whisper to the mountain. 
He doesn't tell us to talk indirectly to the mountain. He tells us to look at the mountain and tell it to be removed. Okay, hold on a second. Hold on a second. It gets better. Second Timothy says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and self-control. And you know who we see this in? We see in that same David that in 1 Samuel 30, we see where he starts to get the courage, where he starts to understand his calling. So David, little ruddy 17-year-old, the nation of Israel is being defeated by the Philistines. There's one soldier that steps up that's bigger than everybody else, and he's taunting the Israelites. David comes, as Lindsay said a couple weeks ago to us, comes bringing the charcuterie tray. I love that. Bringing some bread and some cheese and some, some you know, prosciutto and all the salami and all the pepper stuff on it and maybe a little, maybe a little, maybe a little jam on the side and some bacon, bacon jam because everything is better with bacon, right? So, so he's just there to bring that and all of a sudden he's going, what are y'all doing? Why aren't y'all fighting this guy? And this guy, this, this Philistine is just taunting. Let's, let's pick it up what happens here. Verse 41, and the Philistine moved forward and came near to David. Now watch this. And 30 years been reading this, this I never, never caught this, okay? And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. I always thought it was just the Philistine. This was two on one now. Hey, doesn't it seem like sometimes when the giant's in front of us, there's multiple giants in front of us? They come in pairs, don't they? They never come by themselves. It's never one little situation. It's three or four, it's five, it's six. They all come at once. As a matter of fact, there's a passage in the Bible talking about uh, one of the kings. And he actually bows down. And when he bows down, he says, I can see the enemy. He, he talks about, I can see the enemy coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west. That's how it feels like a lot of times in my life when the giant is in front of me. It's not one, it's two, it's three, it's four, it's five. It's, they're coming from this side, they're coming from that side, they're coming from this side, they're coming from this side. He said, and when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. He was a pretty boy. Hey, anybody ever play rugby? Anybody know what rugby is? Yep. Rugby's a man's sport, okay? And that's no, so I got asked to play rugby one time. I had a friend of mine that played on a professional rugby team over in England. He asked me to come play one time, one time, one time. Have I said one time? And he said, I want you to get in, he was English, I want you to get in a scrum. Huh? And I said, what's the scrum? He said, that's where they all, they put the ball in the middle and they just bite each other. Like he had missing ear pieces and I mean, it was bad. Like, like where's the pretty boys go? And he, he said, well, if you want to be pretty boy, not getting a scrum, you can, you can run the ball. That's me. Let me run the ball. See what happens with the runner. They run. And then when the guy's about to kill him or hit him, I mean, he passes it off to somebody else. If you guys in the scrum, they're just going to town. David was a pretty boy, 17 years old. He was a good-looking guy. He walks up to the Philistine. He's, Philistine's got scars all over his. This is not his first battle. And the Philistine said to him, he says, am I a dog that you have come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And I want you to notice that it's a little G, not a big G. He cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Watch this, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and spear and with javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Actually, there's some translations that he says, who do you think you are, you uncircumcised Philistine? He starts messing with the boy's manhood. Yeah. Who do you think you are? He says, who? He said, so David said to the Philistine, 
You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and I will cut off your head and I will get, I'm not just gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you and kill you and kill you. And then I'm gonna walk around with your head and I'm gonna show everybody that this little Israelite boy, this little ruddy boy, this little pretty boy right here, kicked your butt. You know what he was doing? He was inspiring his faith with words. When's the last time you, that's how you talk to a giant. You don't talk to a giant like, well, I'm just gonna get my little prayer closet. No, you get out there and go, you want some of this? I'll go to New Jersey on you, watch. I may be old, but I got old man strength. I'll bring it, I'll bring it. That's what he was saying. He said, this day, think about the giants you're looking at right now. Think about that pending divorce or that pending relational breakdown or the struggle with your kids or your business or whatever it is. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and I'll cut off your head and I will give you your dead body to the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth will know that there's a God in Israel and that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. When's the last time you talked to a giant like that? That's a giant talking to. David inspired himself. I believe he understood Though Romans wasn't written for thousands of years. He understood Romans chapter 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Who do you think you, I've read it all. You lose. When's the last time you spoke? And don't get weird on me. But when's the last time you spoke the word of faith over your situations? As bad as that or big as that giant looks, when's the last time you spoke faith over it? That God, I believe you're bigger than that circumstance. I believe you're bigger than that situation. I believe you're bigger than that sickness. I believe you're bigger than that problem. I believe that God, you have what's best in mind for me. That you're gonna do what's worth. Because all things work together for good for those who love God and are called to calling according to his purposes. Proverbs 18, we kind of started with this. The tongue has the power of life and of death. So what are you speaking to yourself? About yourself. And then what are you speaking to your situations, those moments? I want you to do me a favor real quick. I want you to shut your eyes one more time. In a couple minutes, we're going to have baptism. And this person today... Or maybe people today. Maybe some of you didn't even come prepared, but God's inspired you today. Today's your day. You're going to take your next step. But that's really some of the power of baptisms is, is we're not going to say what we used to be because we're something totally different now. When people go into that water, I can't tell you the amount of stories. They come up a different person. They're absolutely changed. They don't speak the same way that they used to speak to themselves. They don't look at their situations in their lives the same way they used to look at them. There's a different perspective. It's because they realize what God has said about them. And if you've ever needed convincing, I want you to think about a moment a couple thousand years ago where God in flesh 
goes to a cross, a horrific death. He's beaten beyond recognition. If you need value, what he did was going to give you value. Why he did it gives you value. And the truth of the matter is you can even say to yourself negative things. You can even say things that aren't true about yourself. But sometimes that doesn't even matter because it's more important what God says about us and who God says we are. That we are his workmanship created to do great works in Christ. That while we were yet sinners, God still went to that cross for us. God still loved us. While we were far away from him, he was trying to draw us close. While we were in the pig pen, we talked about it last week, he was waiting on the porch for us. That's the God. That's what you need to think about. It's not what you even say about yourself. It's what God says about you. What are you going to listen to today? Better yet, who are you going to listen to today? Are you going to listen to the God of the universe that sent his son to die on the cross for you while you were far away from him, while you were still struggling in that wretchedness, that dirtiness, that he reached out his hand, his loving hand, and drew you? Who are you going to believe? What's going to be said about you? Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.